Live from the Momo Pizzeria and Ristorante Studios at 44th and O. Morning radio for the entire capital city. This is K Today with Jack and Friends on the Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. All right, greetings. Welcome in on a Monday morning, July 10th, 2023. It is 6.08 right now, 63 degrees. In the capital city on a Monday morning, I'm Jack Mitchell along with Caleb Henry, Mark Vale in the KLI Newsroom, Chris Lofkin with Time Saver Traffic will be along shortly and uh, got a good show for you today. Going to be joined a little bit later by Tim Haruza, Mike Schaefer. We'll count down the five things that you're talking about today. We'll have your sound off coming up here in about 25 minutes. Uh, so we're going to get you all set and ready for your Monday morning and your new week. And I hope you enjoyed the... The cool down there for uh, for a couple of days that we had, I I did especially. It was incredible. It was fantastic. It was, it was nice. Chilly outside at night. It was very nice. Splendid. Um, and now we now we warm back up. Now the we get the humidity. Now we get to what kind of back to what we were you were used to. Not you know not, not brutal heat, not triple digits or anything like that. But back into the nineties and and uh, humid weather. And of course. I went through that moment that many homeowners dread uh, about, you know, seems to happen to us about once every three years or so in the summer. And that's when you start, uh, you start looking at your thermostat and you're like, huh, it doesn't feel, feels really hot in here. It doesn't feel like it's getting any colder. And you move that thermostat down. Then you realize about a half hour later, you're like, huh, I turned it up, but it still says it's 79 in here. Yeah. Yeah, and then you put your foot over the vent, and you're like, is that cold air, or is that just air? And yeah, we've all, I, think it, I, I think if you're a homeowner in Nebraska, you've, you've been through that whole song and dance of realizing something is wrong with the air conditioner, and it never happens at a good time. Ever happens at a good time. This was a better uh, weekend for that to happen. That's very, that is true. That's absolutely true. <laughs> but it did happen on a weekend, and so then there's when that happens, you're always like, well, you know, am I going to be if I if I call one of these places that has a twenty four seven line to come out on a weekend? Is it going to cost me just like an arm and a leg a ridiculous amount? So maybe we ought to tough it out until Monday. Um. And that's what we did. <laughs> so we're still we're, we we uh, went through a couple of the nights were fine. I mean, it was all fine. It actually wasn't that bad, really at all. We could have been a much much worse time, but yeah, get, did the old open up those windows wide open while we were sleeping? We, uh, we used to before we had air conditioning growing up. We'd uh, take a box fan and put it in a window in, a window. in one corner of the house, blowing out. Oh. And then open other windows in each of the bedrooms. Interesting. Pull the cool air in. Yeah, interesting. So now we uh, now we continue that song and dance today, trying to figure out when we're going to get the get the call from the message that we left, and then when someone can be home, and how we do that whole thing. So uh, anyway, uh, not a huge not a huge deal now, but man, it's it's all you just when that moment happens, and you know you're like, oh, here we go. I hate going through this process, and it seems to be one that we know. Let's hope you get it done well. today because we're going to be in the nineties and the humidity going up. So yeah, it's well, going to be sultry. Yeah, I'll be uh, if the if the first place I called is not getting here today, I'm probably going to continue to make some calls <laughs> till we. And by the way, I, I mentioned it to a, a few people, 
and I didn't even necessarily like ask for advice on you know who I who I should call. I had a little bit of an idea who I wanted to, but we'll see. But everybody, I mean, th- it, people were very excited to tell me about their guy or their company that they get HVAC work from. Everyone's got the guy. They everybody's got a guy for that, and I don't really have. Honestly, I don't really have a guy. I don't. I have a plumber. I got a plumber with a great relationship. That's really good. Where I can just text him, and he'll come over. I got a few guys uh, that I I feel like I have that relationship set. I don't yet in an HVAC situation, mm-hmm. in an air conditioning one. But pe- there are certain there are certain things where people are very excited to share if they've got a good situation with someone that they patronize for something that they want to share. I've noticed people like to do it with doctors. If they find a doctor that they like, they will they will tell they will let you know how good that doctor is. And I've discovered now it's your heating and air person or company yeah, as well. Dennis also. Dennis? I have no opinion. I don't really with Dennis? Oh yeah. I have no opinion. It's I've I've got one of the best. Really? I mean, yeah. uh, maybe my teeth are too healthy, but I only see my my dentist for like 30 seconds every appointment that I actually go there. Yeah, you see your hygienist. Yeah. My my dentist, one, uh, not the last time I had, but, you know, the annual checkup with the dentist. He said, yeah, you got a couple of crowns that are showing somewhere, but they'll probably last you. <laughs> you know, he's got that kind of relationship where he can just kind of be blunt honest. And yeah. you're like, what, last me till the end of the year? What are you saying? <laughs> no, I knew exactly what he meant. <laughs> wow. <laughs> They'll probably last you. Hey, they got they got about 50 years left on them. They're fine. The warranty isn't even up on them we, yet. We, we both had a good laugh. <laughs> There's a few miles on the rest of the car. You don't got to worry about changing those tires yeah. quite yet. Yeah. I don't, have you got, yeah, De- so Dennis, I don't know. Are, is there ever anything that like you you really want to tell people about that you work with or you have people that are very excited to share their good experiences it's not a bad thing but it's all it's always interesting to well, me. I've, I've got a company that I've, I've got an annual service agreement with them you know i do their twice a year uh checkup and all of that and that puts you at the top of the list if you've got problems uh, you're one yeah that'd be that's and, a great idea i'd and, never and do it I've, but I've, it's a good I've, idea i've done that for years and it's always paid off yeah except this year they've got a major change they're no longer doing the 24-hour uh availability because of lack of workforce oh no well that, that's how much demand there is right now in this area for hvac techs it's interesting that you say that that they're not doing the 24-hour thing this morning long story and you don't need all the details but we've got a uh very sick child and our not really child one of my my son's really sick this morning uh and i we realized this morning we didn't have a thermometer in the in the house for whatever reason i don't know why we don't have a thermometer if we got rid of them all or or we can't find them or whatever and um, i thought we all just had five thermometers i did too my wife said, at about five o'clock my wife said we don't have any thermometers i was like we have to have yeah we do we don't have thermometers <laughs> and then i started looking through the closet she's like i already looked and i was like okay if you looked i'm not i'm definitely not finding it and so i was like i have time i'll just go i'll go run and get one here before the uh before the show starts and that was at like five fifteen, and so i go to the grocery store and they open at six. They open at six. I, I I don't know. I thought they were six. open twenty four hours. No, no, they've been. Uh, most of the grocery stores have been six to eleven now for a couple of years. So I thought I had remembered. I thought I had remembered that the Walgreens 
the the Walgreens on South 70th I knew was closed, but I thought I remembered 70th and O was 24 hours. It used to be. So I drove all the way there. But the CVS across the street is. And I then I learned that 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 was 24 hours. There's not nearly as many. There's not nearly as many things 24 hours as there there used to be. Not not at all. I think so. the only Walgreens that's twenty four seven in town is uh, one up at Fourteenth and Superior. Is it? I I googled I it and I didn't see any, but I could have that, missed that. that well, one. that could be it. That you it was for a long. I time. I googled it. Is like uh, is Super Saver open twenty four hours? No, I don't think mm. so. Really? No. They, these this they used to be right. Used to be. They used to be like High V used to be right. Pre pandemic. Is it just a pre pandemic thing? Yeah. Wow. Like what is it basically just gas stations now and maybe uh a CVS or two that are open 24 it. hours? That's it. That's really that, that's really it in terms of private businesses in, for for retail, right? And that's not even all gas stations either. Like obviously you, if you can pay at the pump, yeah, the, the, that'll be open, but if you're going to go in and grab a pop or something not yeah, there's some. Those. Yeah, not all a lot of, them. of them that are closed. Yeah, that's hey, true. By the way, in, in particular, th- this one over here, where especially if they go on break, and I'm like, "Yo, it's five in the morning. <laughs> I just want a Mountain Dew, and I want to go to work. Why are we well, locked?" That, yeah, that's because the that's one a workforce deal. Yeah, yeah the I'm one, the one coming not, in on not this one, Mark. <laughs> but, well, no, they've had. I've been in stopped there a couple of times. They've been locked up, and I talked with uh, a manager over there, and and. It, just workforce can't yeah. find people. Same to work. thing with this one on on South Forty Eighth by whatever by Cotner or wherever or Randolph over there. It, right. That used to be the one on my way to work. Always I would there. if I needed something at five five fifteen. You know, I would stop if I wanted a coffee or I wanted to get something to eat there. I would stop there all the time, and then they stopped being open at that time. Speaking so. of uh, convenience stores and gas stations, uh, on the way in, I noticed we had a ten cent drop. A jump in gas overnight. Oh, yeah, make sure we get that oh, one Oh, I right. filled up yesterday. Yeah, it jumped a oh. dime overnight. Jeez. Now, that's not everywhere, but it was on South 84th. South 84th is usually the cheapest place to get gas in the city. Well, if you go far enough. Well, <laughs> yeah. just one spot. <laughs> yeah, well, you, yes. you, go, you go south we of... We all uh, know. If you don't know what we're talking about, yeah. text us and we'll tell you, but... <laughs> We all, yeah. There's yep. there seems to be one spot. South 84th and Old Cheney up a dime yesterday. I'm old enough to remember the South 84th Street gas wars when uh when that new when that new Easy Go opened over there and the the I think it was the U Stop and the Easy I don't know all the gas stations in that area they they got into a little mini war. You're talking of, about North 84th, aren't you? Sorry, North 84th. Yeah. Sorry, I was talking about North 84th this whole time. Um, yeah, North 84th, and they were. They they kept cutting prices and it got down to a ridiculous level and at then one when point. Murphy opened it really got you know, out in front of Walmart. Yeah. When that station opened it really got wild. Yeah. Yeah, that one too. That one over there too. So anyway, uh governor's in Vietnam. Yep. Or on his way. I don't know whether he's actually gotten there. Um okay. I think so. So uh, I'm trying. So this is a trade mission, right? Right. Primarily agricultural. Okay, agriculture. I was going to say. I think their main. I was. I assumed Vietnam's. Um, I didn't know what their major exports were in in Vietnam. I th- I think I thought it was kind of like textiles. It is. Were probably a big thing. Electronics. This is to sell Nebraska products into Vietnam. Okay. They're, they're promoting Nebraska products. That would be obvious if I thought about it. Um. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that makes sense. So. What are the biggest when when they go on? And I don't know if you know this, but what are they primarily 
talking about is the export from Nebraska when they're doing Well, they'd that. be talking I, about beef, beef, corn, and, and probably pork. Okay. Would be the big ones. Do they just take a bunch of Omaha steaks in a cooler with them and they're like, <laughs> like all right, seriously, here's what we got. Like, do you I, I have to have some, do you have to have some like samples? I often, and how do you travel with, uh, are you often, taking like dry ice or what are we well, doing? Oftentimes there? they're shipped ahead to uh, oh. a U.S. consulate or something and, and they'll have, have an event. I was on a trade mission with the Kansas uh, ag people back in the eighties into China. I knew you. And, yeah, I knew you had done and, something like and, this. Uh, it's it's pretty phenomenal what, what they're able to accomplish. Well, yeah, through, what happens through, on these through things? the embassy? Well, you meet with a lot of different people. You meet with uh, uh, retail grocers, wholesalers, uh, other processors. Uh, the one we went to, we met with a big cooperative uh, grocery chain uh, back in, but that was in the eighties. So I'm sure there's been a lot of changes there. But they'll they'll uh, they'll highlight cans or in this case nebraska products both the uh you know the industries beef and pork but also the process products yeah and and that's where the industry people get in but they probably have uh, some, uh lots of interpreters i assume <laughs> lots of interpreters uh educators along uh joanne lee the chan- uh, chancellor at uno at, right uno yeah is is uh along so there, there'll be some educational and they're visiting the uh, college of agriculture in vietnam as well so. cool Cool. And, and those those are also uh, some some good uh, connections to make because a lot of times through academia, both ways they're able to make connections like through Innovation Campus and, and other processing uh, process processors and processing of ag products going I, in there. Uh, people can correct me if I'm wrong, but you know, go back to Governor Heinemann and and Ricketts and. There were a lot of trade. There was China. I want to say Brazil was one. They had done some to South America as well. I don't remember. I don't remember any other ones to Vietnam, though. I know they went to Japan a couple of Japan. times. Japan. Uh, I'm sure they went to Southeast Asia. Southeast yeah. Asia is a big market, even though we don't hear a lot about it. Lots of uh, people. Yeah, there are. <laughs> Lots of people. Yes. You know who ought to buy a little Nebraska beef? Oh, and I can say this because none of them are listening this morning. Okay. Italians. Yeah. Well, yes. And okay, and I'm going to go into more detail a little bit later on on the food because I have some USA versus Italy food deals. But I'll give you a bit of a preview here. Um, first of all, so we would you know we would have these drivers a lot of times who would speak English. Mm-hmm. We, right. we would talk something. We would always talk about the food, talk about food, and talk about the food. And and my experience was was all was that a lot of it was so it was very very good and it was better there a lot of things were obviously way better there than we have here because they're better at doing them um but they would always all of these drivers also then started talking about the the steaks uh that you had especially in the Florence area and and they were like best in the world and I was like well okay <laughs> well well in in yeah I'm gonna, you know we're gonna this is gonna get a little I'm not gonna but that's also like, we can, I get it you get it when we're when you're talking about pasta and those things we're not competing with you got that I'm giving you that we were talking about wine you obviously got that okay but now we're kind of on the same territory. Here, uh, well, right? of course, different breeds. I mean, the Piedmontese cattle that are are grown in that region, uh, they are very, very high quality beef. Now we've got other types of beef, Angus, and some of the other uh, beef breeds here, so we get a little more variety. But the Piedmontese cattle out of uh, northern Italy, yeah, that's what they do. Speaking of North Eighty Fourth Street, right? That's the uh, that's, stuff that they've got up there, right? The Mercato. Mercato is a well, it's a, maybe other languages, but that's an Italian word for market. 
I learned that. And, and Casa Bovina and, is the uh, restaurant out there. Yes. By the way, Mercado opening a, a satellite uh, office or retail oh. out. Yes, we had that on Grow Lincoln yep. a while back. And then and then we went to a restaurant in Florence, and so I ordered, like, you don't quite know what you're ordering sometimes, which, <laughs> Mark, you can attest to this maybe. That's, I don't well, that's, know. That's like, why I use Google Translate. I use the Google Translate, but even then, like, sometimes you still didn't have a great idea. But I, I did. But I ordered something. I knew it was beef. So I ordered because I heard so much about the beef in, in Florence. And so I was like, all right, fine. I'll, I'll see what this is. And I'm, like, expecting a something like a steak Mm-mm. i got it was i don't even know how to describe it it was kind of like brisket but it was cut it was cut as thin as like like lunch meat it was the and then they just like spread it out all over the plate these like thin circle again imagine the the thinnest cut brisket you've ever seen in your life and it was weird but delicious I mean, it was fine. It was delicious. It, it didn't taste bad, but it wasn't. It was. It wasn't not. It was not doing a favor to that beef. I'll say that. Cutting it like that, that completely thin. It was odd. So that really cemented my beef standings. <laughs> so I got. But I, I do have some things. Some I do have some things. Maybe this will make people mad. Some things that were much better there, and some things food wise that. Eh, a little surprise weren't as good there as you've got. So I'll tell you a little bit more about that. Part of that it is the ingredients. That go in, you, you know, and, and some of the things that uh, they're able to, to process differently aren't allowed into the U.S. because of, of uh, processing and, and regulations. I've got one, uh, one you know, fruit vegetable item that I think tastes completely different over there. I'll I tell you what that is. I'll, t- I'll tell you one. The lemons out of South Italy that are limoncello. We had some limoncello. There's about, about half the, not half, a few of the restaurants, they think it helps you digest, so they bring you all shots of limoncello for free after dinner. Sure. <laughs> that was something. I'll, I'll subscribe <laughs> to that. All right, at 625, we'll take a break. It's LNK Today with Jack and Friends on KLIN. Sign up for the daily at KLIN.com to get today's top local and Husker news sent straight to your email. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. A look at news from both inside and outside of Lincoln and conversation on how that news affects us here. It's time for the Sound Off on LNK Today. Yes, it is 64 degrees in the capital city. 635. Glad to have you back with us. If you if you missed it there, it like we're getting back into the uh, 90s and uh, pretty decent humidity today as well. So... Uh, after it had been really cool for a while, and then a little below normal here yesterday, but still sunny. We'll get a little bit. We'll get back to normal here. Although looks like you know back into some mid eighties later in the week already as well. So not it could be much worse. Much worse. We're really coming up to the on average the hottest time of the year in Lincoln, Nebraska. Well, so, it was weird over the weekend because typically, even with the amount of rain that we got. It would be hot enough that you would just go, okay, well, everything will be dried out by the afternoon. 
There are, yes. there are still spots in our yard 100%. that we're like, well, I can't put the dog out over here because there's still mud. Right. And it's been a couple of days. Yeah. Uh, we mowed yesterday, and the same thing. It was like there were muddy areas mm-hmm. still, and it had been a few days since it had uh, it really rained significantly. So, uh, All right, let's jump into the sound off today. We'll uh, start with... Uh, The news having to do with the president's trip, he is going to be heading to the United Kingdom on the way to talking to NATO allies. After missing King Charles's coronation, President Biden made a point of stopping here. He will discuss with the king climate finance, ways to get the private sector off the sidelines. But the bigger lift for the president is going to be justifying his decision to provide controversial cluster bombs to Ukraine. The U.K. immediately announced their opposition. The U.S. is low on 155-millimeter shots. Some saying it calls into question the U.S. ability to defend itself. Now, the White House told Fox Digital the military has specific requirements for the numbers of weapon systems and ammunition we maintain in our reserves in case of contingencies or military conflict. Everything we send to Ukraine is in excess of that. You ever wonder, you know, okay, so he's, they're, they're saying that he's going to go there and the, the, they sent it first, the king, but whomever he's talking to the uk representative that they've got different opinions on these providing these cluster bombs to ukraine and so they're gonna i don't know hash that out or discuss it like what really even happens in that discuss what like you just say well here's why we're doing it and they're like okay well we still disagree i i wonder what that actually means mm-hmm. in practice when these conversations are are being had between two two countries like this but nonetheless uh so also uh, what what can the king actually do yeah, I thought he would meet with. Um, yeah, it's. Uh, I, that's a good question. That's a good question. <laughs> I, well, I wonder if that has to do in part with him not being there at the coronation that he's specifically meeting with the king. That he right. wasn't there. But they, then they went into oh, they're discussing these things. Yeah. Like, okay. Well, you, okay. Yeah, I couldn't tell if all of those discussions, those policy discussions, would be had with the king. Does the king even? Is the king even exactly. up on that kind that of stuff? That would be like a, another another world leader coming to the United States and like. Well, I sat down with Taylor Swift and I let her know <laughs> what know. we're doing for okay. trade. I don't know if that's a perfect one to one. You're just saying Taylor Swift and the King. Well, Taylor Swift is way more popular do, than the do, King. The well, yeah, I know they're po- popular, but yes, no, I heard, live the Queen. I heard uh, Kansas City. I heard was Kansas nuts. City was nuts with those concerts. <laughs> yeah, I heard a lot of people who went said, "You think you've been to a loud football game? It doesn't compare to the." The Swifties in mm-hmm. Arrowhead, mm-hmm. because they have a different. A lot of them have a different. I don't know if it's willingness or ability to get to a level of volume with their voices that maybe you and I don't have. There is something in those bracelets. There is something bracelets? in they 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 all wear little like oh, really? friendship bracelet thing. It's a that. big deal, apparently. I don't know anything that about that. I did not realize. I didn't but They will wear those things like up to their elbow. Oh my gosh! Huh. I didn't know about that. But yeah, it is they there there is a level of energy in those in those little bodies. Yeah. That when they get in a fo- in an arena, is it a football stadium like that? That that's what you need to do for one of for a football game. Somehow get all the Swifties there and you will destroy every loudest stadium. On third down. <laughs> third down. <laughs> They're down. Let's hear the Swift play a Taylor, play yeah. a little like uh bad blood or something. Third and- down. All right, Taylor Swift needs you here, guys. <laughs> If you scream loud enough, Taylor will come. It's like Beetlejuice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so the uh, 
The Democrats and Republicans are, are trying to figure out in Iowa what they're going to do with the caucuses, okay? <laughs> because Democrats are changing up their order, or they want to change up their order and have South Carolina go first. So the Republicans, it was people were waiting to see if the Republicans were going to follow suit and stay with the Democrats. Are they going to stay up at the beginning and then do it on a different time or on a different day? What are they going to do exactly? Sounds like we're getting some clarity on that. The Iowa Republican Party's state committees voted to hold the nation's lead-off caucus contest on the third Monday in January. That's also the Martin Luther King Jr. federal holiday. There was some uncertainty about when they were going to be held, partially because the Democratic National Committee has reshuffled their schedule. The DNC is going to have South Carolina replace Iowa in the leadoff spot and start primary voting on February 3rd. But Iowa Democrats want to have caucuses on the same day as the Iowa GOP. They may still do that but not release their results until the South Carolina primary day. Jill NATO, Fox News. What? That that sounds like, okay, it might work this year because the I would guess the Democratic primary is going to be fairly uninteresting. Sorry, RFK Jr. fans. Um, (laughs) I think it'll be fairly uninteresting. It'll be similar results everywhere. But, like, if you had a contested... Like, say in four years, well, for sure in four years, you'll have a contested Democratic primary. Are you are you really going to try that? Have the caucuses on Martin Luther King Jr. Day and then release the results? Wait to release the results until I don't know how much further after that the South Carolina primary is, a week or two weeks or something like that. Are you just going to sit on the results and release them later and who knows them and are they going to get leaked and are they going to be i mean they're, they're not actually going to release the results it's just going to take that long to that's get true all. that actually might need that that time for that whole thing but anyway um that's uh that's something uh all right what else do we have today uh this is uh inter- interesting may not be the right word for this but um so a decision coming up in California, and one of the members um, of the crew that, that went on a killing spree with Charles Manson, one of the young women at the time, has been up for parole for a while. And Gavin Newsom, the governor, has has been stepping in and denying it, but this may be the time where for the first time she gets out of prison. Van Houten served 53 years of her life sentence in prison in connection to the brutal stabbings of grocery store owner Lino LaBianca and his wife Rosemary. They were found dead in their home with the words death to pigs and helter skelter written on the walls in their blood. Governor Gavin Newsom has reversed Van Houten's parole grant three times since taking office. He says he's disappointed in the Court of Appeals decision to release her. In May, the court ruled Van Houten, now 73 years old, should be released, citing her remorse and what they call her extraordinary rehabilitative efforts. Wow. So she's seven. So she went into prison when she was in her, tw- what, 20s? Is that what the math is there? And, and and maybe is going to get out when when she is, well, it sounds like she's going to get out when she's 73 years old. But you go back and you read I obviously wasn't alive for that stuff, and I knew a little bit of it. I I saw this news this weekend, and it got me into a weird rabbit hole, kind of just reading about all of the all of the things that were happening around Manson and all of these terrible crimes uh, that were connected to it as well. And there is a part of you where you're like, really, she's getting out of. Pre-? I mean, I know, I know 
there were, I'm sure at the, the, the sentencing, the trial for this thing, there were extenuating circumstances and Manson, the way that Manson was influencing them as well, but they were so terrible. Um, but it looks like she may, she may have turned things around enough that she's going to get out here. Uh, all right. Other things going on today. Uh, oh, uh, one back to uh, Washington, D.C. I accidentally skipped one. This is more about sports, though. Um, so these hearings are going to start on the PGA Live merger. Mm-hmm. Congress is interested in that. And they've got especially some of these 9-11 families who are very upset about this thing. And it sounds like they're going to get a voice at these hearings, too. The PGA initially spoke out about Live Golf, but performed an abrupt about face, which almost no one saw coming. I think you need to know some kind of timeline here. And when exactly did this flip? We don't have an inside look into the PGA Tour's books what the finances look like. The deal enraged 9-11 Families United. It's a gut punch and and your heart breaks. Terry Strada's husband, Tom, died in the North Tower four days after she gave birth to their third child. Strada's group just commissioned a major billboard in Times Square condemning the pact. It's still weird, right? Like, and And I feel like weeks after this happened, I still feel like I don't have any more clarity on exactly what's going on here Mm -hmm. with this situation. I'm no less surprised that it happened than when I first heard about it. Like, as you watched it all unfold and still trying to wrap your head around it, even without the the 9-11 connections, it's still weird. Yes, I mean, that's a whole whole different thing. Yeah, that's its own layer. but, But, like, yeah, the PGA took, like, an official position using that as a reason to critique live and... Um, they trashed all any players that were remotely involved with talking yeah. about being part of the yeah. live. Yeah. Uh, so we'll see what comes out of uh, out of those as well. And by the way, I don't have a clip on this. I know we're going to talk about it more in the morning drive, but I talked about a sports thing there real quick. Um, it's not looking good for Pat Fitzgerald right now. No. Um, I don't. There hasn't been an official decision, but. And, and if you haven't followed it, there's a lot to this. We'll get more into it and sound off. But basically, hazing allegations within the football program. They had a private law firm do an investigation. They came out and didn't give much details. They didn't make the full report public. But the university then came out and said, well, we found that the coach didn't know about this, but could have or should have. It was real mealy mouth thing trying to understand mm-hmm. what, what they said with that. But they said, so we'll give him a two-week suspension. President puts out a then the Northwestern student paper comes out over the weekend, talks to a couple of the players as sources. They give more details on the hazing. They say that the coach knew the hazing is really weird Mm -hmm. and really sort of sexually demeaning. Um, You can read the article if you want to know what that means exactly. Um, And then the president comes out with a statement late Saturday night. President of Northwestern comes out and basically said, I made some mistakes I didn't fully, I made some mistakes in the uh, sentence, so to speak, that I handed down, the punishment that I handed down to Pat Fitzgerald, uh, so I'm going to be reconsidering that. So, And that's the last that we know. That's that, uh, the, la- the only other thing is that some other reporting, there was some other reporting from local Northwood, Louis Vicar, who we've I've had on this show before. He did some reporting. He confirmed, he talked to players, confirmed that some of the stuff had yeah. happened. The there was someone else was at Rittenberg. I think he he got a picture of a whiteboard that, uh, that in the locker room that alluded to some of it. Uh, so there's just been a little bit more reporting. But man, I can't 
I don't know. The, like, my hunch is, my thought originally was that he's he is going to be fired. I wonder if they, but he's so, so well-liked mm-hmm. in that university and community. I wonder if they look at something like suspending him for a year. A year suspended yeah. the whole football season. Yeah, I wonder if they do would do something like that. I I think I wouldn't be surprised if that's on the table. But I don't know if he would. I mean, would he even stay then? Because he's. I think he's had some flirtation with going to the yeah. NFL over the years. But anyway. wait, wait, is that more on the table because they're a private institution? Um. Than than, it, than a public institution. Maybe. Maybe. Well, I'll tell you what. You would know a lot more about this report if they were a public institution. It, it, right. Yeah. Anyway, we'll get more into that in the uh, the sound off to uh, today. We're in the sound off. Or in the morning drive today. Uh, I didn't have a clip with it, so I wasn't going to talk about it, but I was thinking about it, and you mentioned it on sports. Uh, you know what's coming up this week? A battle between a couple of retailers, Caleb. Amazon and Walmart are fighting for your money Let's this go. week, and the way that they're going to try and get it is basically selling really, really cheap TVs is essentially... <laughs> it's is all the, TVs. That's the plan to get their money. Amazon's Prime Days are Tuesday and Wednesday in an effort to make scoring deals less stressful. The retailer is offering invite-only deals on big-ticket items like a 43-inch 4K TV for under $100. What? Customers can click a request <laughs> invite button ahead of Prime Days for a chance to snag the lowest prices. Rivaling Amazon is Walmart Plus, available to members today and others Tuesday through Thursday. Walmart calls it Black Friday-like pricing on everything from tech to home decor, offering a yearly membership for $49, half off the typical $98 price. And Amazon Prime membership is $139 a year. Each includes free shipping, and both companies offer 30-day free trials. Kristen Goodwin, Fox News. does Walmart offer you Thursday night football games? Yeah, that's where. How that's long, where they get you. How long until how, Walmart, Walmart Plus? To Walmart Plus has the has an NFL game or college football. They'll Wal- sign exclusively. By the way, they're definitely signing with an SEC if they sign no, with someone. Walmart Plus is taking every Friday college. They're, they're getting the Friday SEC games. The fri- Friday SEC. <laughs> Don't forget your Friday SEC games on Walmart Plus. Woo! It, it's Alabama against Birmingham South Technical Institute of Technology. <laughs> oh, my gosh. What is the deal with TV prices? Every like things, yes, things are expensive with inflation right now, and and the price of some tech goes obviously goes down as it becomes easier to make and more ubiquitous. But the way TV prices are like ridiculously good and all I, the time now, and I haven't seen the the quality be like disruptive yeah, to having for for a couple of years anyway, right? Yeah. So so if you pay for a forty three inch under a hundred dollars. We're just lining the studio is there, with TVs at that point. Is there point. anything that's gotten aggressively cheaper, like, on a, like, it feels like exponentially going downward rate than TVs? It's, I bought, I, when I, uh, well, I guess the computers are kind of like it, but not at, I don't think it's quite as extreme, but like, I bought a desktop computer when I went to college that had a four gig hard drive. Do you know how, how small of an item you could get four gigs on right now? Uh, I bought it for two thousand okay. dollars before I went to college. Here is the only thing that I can I can think of that has had that exact slope of going okay. of the the technology is still like the technology is getting better and the price is dropping off a cliff. Yeah, what thumb drives? 
Just oh, really? storage. I don't know how much those. Co- I don't have a good familiarity Thumb drives, of how much external hard drive because when I went to college, it was like okay, and I can't even remember the price. But it's like okay, I have an eight gig thumb drive. I now have there a, are those SD cards. Is, I have yeah. a two terabyte external hard drive in my office that I got for like fifty bucks. Yeah, yeah. Do you know how much <laughs> I can store on there? That's compared to my four gig hard drive, two thousand dollar computer. Just storage in general, yeah. Uh, all right, let's uh, do a couple more here before we finish this. Oh, this is interesting. As uh, I mean, kids, I'm sorry to tell you this, but we're like four and a half weeks, what, five weeks till the beginning of the school year? We're not that far oh, away. stop it. I mean, we're not that far away. We're in the away. middle of summer. I know it's July 10th, but they start like August, uh, what is it, the 14th probably? That would be one, two, three... Four, that's five weeks from today, FYI. If that's when they start, I think I have that right. Uh, probably depends where you go to school. But in one country, my homeland, the Netherlands. And the Dutch. And the, they have made a big decision about this coming school year that will be an interesting experiment. The Dutch education minister says mobile phones may be intertwined in our lives, but they don't belong in the classroom. The ban comes into force at the start of next year, but there will be exceptions. Students with medical needs or a disability can have them, as can those taking classes focused on digital skills. This is not yet a legally enforceable ban. That means teachers, parents and pupils will be allowed to thrash out the details themselves. In two years' time, the government will decide if a law change is needed. Jonathan Savage, Fox News. Mm. Well, I honestly, once I had I had that big gap where I wasn't paying attention to schools very much, kind of where you're in right now, yeah. and then when I got, when my kids got old enough for school and I realized, I was like, oh, they let kids bring phones there? I didn't think they did in the here. Well, in the only reason I have an idea is because I know how my parents have integrated it into their classroom. It's just knowing, okay, well, if they have them and they're probably going to be peeking at them, let's use that as part of the lesson. Like I always assume, I always assume they would be not be allowed, which is so it, weird it, because I at least the cell phones were becoming so much more normal for for kids to have when I was going through high school. I got my first phone when I was a freshman or a sophomore in high school, mm. so like. You had it, but there were so many times that I oh, just leave it in my locker. Whatever, I didn't need it. And then some. Sometimes you had it. Was it a smartphone? No. To think how, no, no, it was. It was just like no. A like flip I, phone. I, I could text and I could call. Okay, like that was it. So it's like a second generation flip phone, basically. Ba- yeah, with that had texting. Yeah, yeah, I had a sweet like flip out keyboard. It was really nice. But you go through and you have that to where it was like if you got caught with your cell phone, it was like that's an automatic detention. Or if you watch. Just watch any of the TV from around that area. Think about the uh, the first high school musical. All the phones start going into a, like a basket. You can't do that now. Yeah, but thank you for catering that to my daughter because she's watched that movie a million times. I don't remember that part of that movie. That movie is older than your daughter, so it's not really catering it, it to her. She, well, that's her wheelhouse. She like, loves it. Thanks for catering Die Hard to me. Um, and, oh, by the way, I, can't, I have to say it. There are two things I can't stand in this world. People who are intolerant of other people's cultures and the Dutch. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. It's a movie line. I'm Dutch, so I can say that too, so don't get too mad. (laughs) Uh, All right, let's end it. There we go. That's sound off. 65 degrees. Take a break here. Oh, yeah, I'm going to tell you. The one 
item that I think that that you grow that I think is demonstrably better and different in Italy than it is in the United States, and then the things we've got it way better here for. We'll tell you about that coming up next. It's six fifty six KLIN. You're li- live from the Momo Pizzeria and Ristorante Studios at 44th and O. Morning radio for the entire capital city. This is LNK Today with Jack and Friends on the voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. All right, welcome back. 65 degrees in the capital city. Glad to have you with us on this Monday morning, July 10th, 2023. Uh, back at it. Uh, if you missed Friday's show, it was my first day back from traveling abroad to Italy. And uh, we had Request Line Friday, so we were mainly playing songs. It was a lot of fun on Request Line Friday, by the way, too. Yeah. But I didn't, I wanted to at least bring back, you know, so I can definitely write the whole trip off. Uh, I wanted to bring back some stories for work, at very least, for uh, for this whole thing. Um, and yeah, so, you're now super into how soccer is supposed to work. <laughs> I'm try- I still haven't. I still didn't come back with a favorite Italian soccer team, which was one of my missions going there. Uh, number one, I learned that I am not a man for the sea, uh, even though I like yacht rock. Yeah, the Adriatic Sea. We took a boat day boat tour. The Adriatic and Sea. And you took a sweet picture. Yeah, that we were on. That, that was. That was the last time I was picture worthy that day because the Adriatic Sea was really rough on that day. And we were on a big, like, it was, it was, it fit, you know, it could fit like 12 people, outboard motor, couple motors, right? A little bit of a canopy, that sort of thing. So, you know, a medium sized boat, but it was, you know, doing the waves thing um, a ton. And I did, uh, I did not handle it well. Caleb, it was uh, without going into detail that you don't want to hear. It was as bad as you could think on the boat, and so I apparently yes. Did you not take any? Uh, I didn't take anything b- before. I don't know why. when I go fishing this next week. Even though it's not out at sea, it's still a, a little late. You take. I will be taking. I thought that it would make me morning. sleepy, but I think they have non-drowsy ones now because it there's make, non-drowsy. Everything. I don't know. I didn't. I don't know why I didn't. I just. I sort of thought about it, but I just didn't really think it would be a problem. It was a problem. So I'm. So we're driving back. So we're going from a place called Porto Venere mm-hmm. all the way down the coast. That's this place called Cinque Terre. They see five towns that are just like on cliffs. Basically, it's some of the most amazing, like natural and architectural visuals you will ever have and i didn't even want to look. i had my head down oh with my eyes closed for a long long time and then and then we go we stopped at one of these towns and we had the opportunity to go in going to the town i was like maybe they've got a pharmacy because in, in italy everything you can't buy ibuprofen at the grocery store or the gas station you got to go to the Pharmacia. Yeah, the and, specific drugstore. And you've got to go, yes. And and so I was like, maybe they have one. But they have these green blinking crosses out front. I mean, they're everywhere. So you, If you see a green blinking them. cross here, it's because you're going to go get some... Uh, oh, wow. I just completely lost all track of it. You're going to go to... It's basically a vape store. Yeah. Uh, so, but I had to... So so I we we had to get in a little rowboat to get rowed into the thing and that I was I bet that helped. Go yeah, go, by the way, the the transition from 
uh, motorboat to rowboat on the Adriatic Sea when it's very wavy is much harder than it sounds. <laughs> Stepping from one to the other, much harder. Um, and so we we get in town, and I go to the pharmacy, and I write on Google Translate. I wrote uh, anti nausea drug, and I just held it up to this pharmacist, and he was he gave me a weird look. He was like, "We don't do that," and I was like, "He could speak a little English," and I was like. It's like, what? He's like, how old are you? I was like, 45? Why does that matter? And he was like, why do you need anti, an anti-nausea drug? And I was like, I'm seasick. I'm on a boat. And he said, and I was like, Dramamine. And he's like, okay. oh, okay. And he gave me that. And I realized about an hour later, he probably thought I was trying to get marijuana, medical marijuana. <laughs> that had to be it, right? Yeah. When I was like, Aunt, oh, I'm so, I'm so nauseous right now. I really need something for it. Uh, and everybody's partying on the beach in this mm-hmm. town, so that was that was that. But yeah. food wise, um, the, the the one thing that I I thought was just tasted different. I'm not a big like straight tomatoes guy. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I I don't hate it, but I'm not usually eating slices tomato of tomatoes by themselves. I don't know what it was, but the tomatoes there, I could eat like they were yeah. like watermelon or something. Why is they that? Were, I think they were, the best way I can describe it is that they're milder. I'm not sure what it is, but the tomatoes tasted different in a really good way there. They were great. Like I would go and I would get tomatoes on anything I could, and I, d- I don't know what it is. Is, is there a texture difference? Is, is it, are they firmer? No, it, was, it, it, it might have been a little bit firmer, but it was mainly having to do with with taste Mm -hmm. and then and then the other thing that was just amazing there is the the all the pasta all the homemade pasta it's it's different it's you know than most places i've been maybe not everybody everywhere maybe you got a place that makes great pasta but most almost every pasta dish i got and the most popular one there it wasn't spaghetti spaghetti it wasn't fettuccine it wasn't you know penne whatever any of those little spirals Mm -hmm. it's something called peachy which is like spaghetti, but it's just like thick. Mm-hmm. It's really thick. It's like not quite the thickness of a straw, but almost. Uh-huh. Um, you could just maybe barely fit it through a straw, but it's really thick. And I looked at High V for it yesterday. Yeah, they're, they're, you can you can get thick spaghetti, but that still didn't seem yeah, the it's same. P- thickness. It's P I C C I, and I think they I, it may not dry out well like they do when you buy pasta in the grocery store because I'm sure they just roll it. You know, they roll the dough and then mm-hmm. they just boil it immediately from there. But that stuff was incredible, and it just helped. And the sauces were just fantastic. So that was awesome. The other thing completely stood out there that I wish we had here in some form is the type of paninis that they do. Ooh! So, like, look up a Florence panini. Um, see if you can find a picture or something like that. It's basically they have all of these stores that do it, and people line up for them. And they they they'll put it in a wrapper, but the panini itself is about the size of like like a dictionary. Why does it look like I just ordered a big old Reuben? It's 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 a square, not a rectangle like a dictionary, uh-huh. but it's about that size. And then they and then it's this crispy bread. This it crunches really loudly, like when you take a bite of it. And then they've got depending on what kind you get, um, it's got all these meats and I don't know. There was something about it. I was like. There's no sam. I've not had a sandwich like this, and if I call it a panini in America, I don't get anything like this. Mm-hmm. That was incredible. 
Okay. So those were the those were the good. Yeah, those look great. Yes, there's it was great. Now, I don't mean to be the ugly American, but the pizza. I mean, I heard so many people say, like my whole life, I've always heard people say, "Oh, in Italy, the pizzas." So it's so different and it's so much better. It's just this different style. Well, yes, it's different than it's it's different than Domino's for sure. And it's it's different style than like Valentino's. But maybe it's just that we've got more and more restaurants now that kind of try and do it the way that they do. So it's not as foreign to me anymore. The crusts are great. The crusts are, you know, this perfectly sort of fired and crunchy crust. They're fantastic. But. I got to tell you, the toppings are hit and miss. Like, what are we doing with, like, putting prosciutto on pizza? Uh, No. It's it's just like a loose piece of, the meat's very good, Mm -hmm. but it's like putting like a loose piece of lunch meat, (laughs) ham, or turkey on pizza. It it just doesn't, it's it's hard to eat. It doesn't, like, and then they'll put arugula, they'll put... Lettuce and stuff on well, they, there. They, they've got their it's just their the Italian pizza is not the good pizza that that we know. No, I yeah, it was it could be, but it, the so, they had one with I had one with potatoes on it. I was like, no, no, this doesn't work. It and so it was it was when well, I had some good ones too, but there were just a lot of ones that I just it didn't even feel like you were eating pizza. Mm-hmm. Um, but but. Anyway, nonetheless, here's where they really have problems. <laughs> oh, do tell. I know, if you ever go, I don't know if other European countries are like this, but if you ever go, I'm going to warn you about this. If you ever go to Italy, they do not do well with non-alcoholic drinks. <laughs> okay? They do not, do, especially at restaurants. So when you go to a restaurant, you don't they don't have glasses sitting up at your thing and then the you know the waiter or waitress comes around with a pitcher of water and pours you a big pitcher of water no you order liters of water either sparkling or still naturale i believe is what they called it for still so you order the, and so we would get like we we had six of us who were there so we would get like 3 liters of water at the beginning um, or that they would just bring you that out. Are you paying? And for you're the paying water? for it. Yeah, you're, you're paying, paying for the water. You're paying for it. And I don't think I ever realized how much water I or people generally drink during meals at restaurants. <laughs> but it gets to a point, and and the other thing is, they get your, your 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 order, they get you your food, and then they kind of stay away. Other than like three times, right? They come, they come for your 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 water. They come for your order, where you also order your drinks, and then they come and ask you if you want dessert and coffee after it's over. Mm-hmm. Those are the only. It's only they're never they're not coming to your table. They're not just uh, checking other than in. that. No, not at all, not at all. And so you got the water you got for the <laughs> most part, unless you're flagging down and ordering more bottles of water, which you're paying for. Yeah. And so it gets it gets to a point where you're like rationing. Like, imagine I've got one of those, like, eight-ounce tumblers, basically. That's about a third foot, like, got about a quarter cup of water in it, <laughs> maybe a half cup of water in it, and I'm just looking at it through my whole meal because this is all I got, right? And so I'm, like, 
thinking, do I save this for the very end and wash it all down? I'm looking, I'm like eyeing other people's glasses at my table and wondering if they're going to drink their water. And it got, it got to the point where like dollar per ounce or cent per ounce, it, it made more sense to order beer and wine Mm -hmm. than water. You got more liquid to drink. (laughs) It was, it was no one else was drinking what you had, and it wasn't really that much more expensive. Like at all of these cafes, they call them bars, but they're basically uh, coffee shops slash bars. So with that, we can actually use these in America too. Places that go that have coffee in the morning, coffee and and bakery items in the morning, but they're open all day, and then they have like light lunches, which is similar to a lot of the coffee houses they have, but they also serve. At night, they have like happy hour. They call it aperitif. Uh-huh. They have a happy hour. They have a full bar. All of this thing. They're they've got they're open the whole day long, and that's what all of them are. There's no there's no like just coffee house that is open in the morning. And and by the way, nobody does to go coffee. They it's mainly you just got to drink it there. Well, it's espresso. It's ah. an espresso shot. So people, the funny thing is, meals take three hours. But in a one of these cafes, somebody goes in. A, a native Italian, they'll go in, they'll order their espresso. They won't even sit down. They won't even move from the counter. They'll just bleep, shoot the thing, put it back, push it back. They're out of there. <laughs> you walk in downtown Lincoln or downtown big city, I bet 75% of the people are carrying a portable coffee with them. Mm-hmm. I've got mine right here. But 75 nobody, there's nobody in Italy. And if you see one, you're like, American. <laughs> Definitely American. <laughs> what was, so? so you... Obviously cheaper to get the the beer and the wine, but what was the quality for those? Uh, I'm not a big wine drinker, um, so I don't I don't claim to have a great sense of quality. But the people on the trip who were were very were very um, very into it. Okay, uh, they they um, and I like my mom and my wife who they if they have glass of wine it's almost always red wine they thought the white wine was so good there Hmm. um something that they don't normally drink the beer it's not america (laughs) (laughs) we're spoiled here yeah they're they they don't they don't make much i mean if they have like something on tap almost every place that they had something on tap they would only have like one or two and they were italian beers but it was almost always like an amber ale was their main one, like a Killian's or a Fat Tire or something like that, which is kind of nice if you're at a campfire in October, but not the quite the right note for a non-air-conditioned restaurant in the beginning <laughs> of July. Um, and then they have like four, and then they have like four Italian brands. Peroni is one of them. There's three or four, and they're, you know, they're fine. They're like macro brews. Um, and then they have. European, a lot of Becks, a lot of Heineken, mm-hmm. um, a lot of that stuff. But if you go to the grocery store, they sell beer in two packs of cans or four packs of bottles. Or the metric system is ruining two, the six yes. pack. And the only American beer that was there, I, American in quotes, is Corona. Mm. And as for non-alcoholic drinks, you had Coke, Coke, and Coke Zero everywhere. No Pepsi. No Diet Mountain Dew. That was that was a little tough for me. The Pepsi losing the Cola no, Wars. No Pepsi. Yeah, no. Pe- it's the opposite of the University of Nebraska's campus. <laughs> Sometimes Sprite. A little bit of Fanta. 
But that's about it. And that was just, again, in coolers at yeah. grocery stores and cafes. You're not ordering that at dinner there. Even though I would have taken a 64-ounce glass of Coke Zero. <laughs> oh, I would have hammered that. <laughs> so thirsty. All right, it's 725. You're to LNK Today with Jack and Friends on KLIN. Get the facts and stay ahead of the game. I like to hear what's going on around the world. Your trusted source for news and information. 1499.3 KLIN. Off it's time to count them down. The five things you'll be talking about today. This is the Morning Drive, presented by Stonebridge Insurance and Wealth Management on 1499.3 KLIN. All right, a little inside baseball information. I have reacquired the ability to control the numbers. <laughs> oh, wow. I have rested Break. it. I have rested it from Caleb. And I now have the numbers. Let's see how far over the top of the hour we go now that I can't get him out of a There's more power than I realized in having the numbers, (laughs) being the numbers guy on the morning drive. And I am the numbers guy now. So, with that said, number five. I'm back. (laughs) Northwestern Wildcat football, they've got a few issues in that program. And Pat Fitzgerald uh, taking an unexpected couple of weeks vacation and maybe more. Maybe more is right. Uh, here, if you've been following this or haven't been, I'll give you as best cliff notes as I can. There were allegations of hazing at Northwest, Northwestern Football Program. The university hired a private law firm to do an independent investigation. They came out with a report that they didn't make public, but they did say publicly that Pat Fitzgerald would be suspended. They also said he didn't know about the hazing, but maybe could have or should have. It was kind of mealy mouth. Uh, then, subsequent to that, the Northwestern student newspaper has an article where they talked to two players that gave some details of the hazing that they said they went through. It was really weird, the hazing that they were saying they went through. It was oddly sexual, a lot of nakedness. It was, I mean, it was some weird stuff. Um, and then, after that, the university president comes out and says that he may have erred in doling out the punishment that it should have been more severe than it was hasn't said anything since since then some other media outlets have come out reported they've had additional players come to them and confirm that this stuff has happened uh, including local journalists who are covering Northwestern and college football journalists and other players that have stood up for Fitzgerald and you've had, that's the other thing is you've had players that put out a statement that said this wasn't happening and if and then they said if it was happening, he didn't know about it. Yeah, that was such a weird addition onto their statement. Uh, yeah, I mean, it sounds like the way that you plead a case on uh, as a lawyer. You say, "This is our argument," but if you don't buy our argument, this is our next argument, and if you don't buy that one, here's our third argument, essentially. So I don't know what's going to happen. Um, you know, if Fitzgerald knew, if he did know, and he said he didn't know, I mean, I. Uh, I think his goose is cooked, if that if that's the case. Now, if he truly didn't know, that's the gray area. And what does should have known look like, or sort of knew, look like exactly? And how much pressure is there going to be on this president to take to do something more significant? You, you, I mean, with that quote that he gave, he, he's obviously going to do something more significant uh, in terms of a punishment. But yeah. like, how much more significant can you get without firing him? Right. Do you suspe- the next step, I would think, is suspending him for a season. Well, and, and that's the end. Of or a few, or I guess a few games. I don't know, but it would have to be. You can't do a full season because because if you do a full season, you may as well let him go because there goes all of your recruiting. 
Like, like yeah. that. It, you, I think uh, I know it was the NFL, but the Saints did that with their with their coach. Yeah, it's still their, still extremely different because you're not going through the recruiting process. Yeah, if you pull him off that, he's been there since 2006. Has had losing seasons three of the last four years. And the only one that they had a winning season was in 2020, where you just played Big Ten games and it was weird anyway. Last year, only win was against Nebraska and Dublin. So has not won in America for more than a season. So you start to add some of those things in with here are the things that were going on within the locker room, allegedly. It's hard for me to think that he's not just gone. As beloved as he is. Even if it, and then maybe they're saying it's mutual or something. I don't know. Yeah. Because he's sort of flirted with in off seasons before with the NFL a little bit. And they could absolutely make it sound mutual by saying Coach this Coach Fitzgerald coming out and, and he's him saying that he thinks he is a distraction for the program and he wants things to get get on the right track. Again, it comes down to did it really comes down to did he know about these things? Is that and what exactly did this report find or not find? Mm-hmm. Because it did not. It's private institutions; they don't have to release that. That you can't get access to that thing. We haven't seen the whole report. Uh-huh. Uh huh. We've just seen the parts that the university wanted us to know about, which isn't much. Did you see the ESPN story? Uh, they talked to a current player yesterday, uh, and and that's a, they wanted to remain anonymous, obviously. But the former player, uh, or the current player, said the former player who's hazing allegations last year launched the investigation, informed him of a detailed plan with a sole objective to take down Fitzgerald. Wow. And this was all made up. Oh my gosh! So, well, I mean, they've got tons of witnesses, one way or the other. So I get. But what I don't understand is how did they not find these things out during this investigation by the law firm, right? I mean, aren't you talking to everyone about that? Is that not in this report? Has the president not seen this? I think those are all legitimate questions, too. What kind of a crappy investigation was this if none of this came out and was already in the report? Why are why does Northwestern get caught flat-footed on all this? And it took the university's student newspaper yeah. for this to, become, three, three to become a bigger deal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if that story doesn't come out, this thing passes and is probably forgotten about in a couple of weeks for the most part. Because the de- once you read the details, mm-hmm. it changes... I mean, it becomes a whole lot more real, and people's outrage increases. Yeah. Assuming it's true. Yes. Yeah. But right. The, yeah. Uh, but yes. I, I'm just saying that result, whether it's yeah. true or not, that result happens. Right. And that could result. If I had to bet right now, he's gone. That, he's that's gone. where I'm thinking, that's, too. That's what I think. We'll see. Number four. Well, going against uh, his predecessor, Governor Jim Pillen, has accepted what's left of some emergency rent dollars from the federal government that's uh, going to the 91 smaller counties in the state. Uh, the governor, then Governor Ricketts, turned down the rental aid. It was a $120 million pool. That's dropped to $48 million. And uh, an aide said last week that, yep, uh, Governor Pillen has uh, accepted that. So they're going to put together the program to take <laughs> the applications. And you, you may recall this. Yeah, got a lot of pushback uh-huh. from some Republican uh, uh, unicameral members against Ricketts. Yes. Or, yeah, yeah. Th- that they were fr- even you know, from his same party. You yeah. Mean. yeah, yeah, yeah. That was um, that's that's interesting um, that he went a completely and Ricketts stood firm under pressure yep. on that whole thing. It's it's kind of interesting because you you maybe thought 
that when Pillen came in, he was going to be just a carbon copy of of Ricketts in terms of policy. I mean, obviously, they're both Republicans, and generally, they both believe the same things and are the same place on policy. But there have been a few specifics where he's gone a different direction that, that I don't think I saw, I foresaw when he was running for governor at this time. And this would be probably maybe the most significant example of that. So, but the money's drained. So you said the money's down. It's about 40, a th- 40, it's about a third as much. Uh, Forty eight million. It was one hundred and twenty million at one point. So, okay, you know, some of that money went to other states, and, and uh, I think he had until September of next year or the following year when it would all be gone. So he got on it. Forty eight million coming to uh, help smaller county rentals, and they got to figure out how to roll this thing out and how to get this money to the people who are eligible for yeah, it now. Because that'll start in September too. Yeah, they're they're working the program now to develop the, the rate, you know, the criteria to uh, to do it, and they'll uh, probably have it going in. Well, they say September, but we all know these things sometimes. And, and Mark, I know sort of the the thought, and tell me if I'm wrong on this, the thought that this was particularly impactful on rural areas of the state. Well, yeah, because the the larger counties already had rental assistance uh, mm, that's pro- right. provisions. That's right. Uh, from their for- ARPA funds and, and some of that other stuff. Gotcha. All right, moving on. Number three. <laughs> you think uh, construction uh, in Lincoln has got your uh, commute or your oh, drive across town? 84th Street. 84th Street. That's that's my enemy. This, <laughs> forgetting about 84th Street is my enemy this summer. Anyway, sorry, Mark. Go on. <laughs> well, state officials announced one of the biggest ever years of highway construction uh, between now and uh, June 30th of next year. Almost $700 million, uh, in projects, including 7.6-mile stretch of I-80 from Northwest 56th in Lincoln to Pleasantdale exit. They're going to expand that to six lanes, three in each direction. That's part of the effort to get uh, the three and three all the way to Grand that, Island. Yeah, they said, I remember when they originally unveiled, this was maybe a decade ago, they originally unveiled this plan to go six lanes all the way to Grand Island. and But I think they were saying it wouldn't be done to like, I was say like 2045 or something. I don't know if that's still the case now, but that was the original plan. But it was going to take a long time to actually do it to the point where I was like, are we even going to be driving cars when this is done? Like, are we going to be just flying over in our flying cars over the six lanes back and forth to Grand Island? How big a deal would uh, three lanes each way for Grand Island be, Caleb? To Grand Island be, do you think, Caleb? Raising the speed limit to 80 would be better. <laughs> That's, yeah, what, that, that's I mean, what everyone drives anyway. I was going to say, isn't it kind of what it is? <laughs> like, you get... All right, guys. You you get west of Haymarket, and driving is like you're in Montana. That's what it is. You yeah. just... You go. Uh, unless you're going through Seward County. Yeah, I, guess, yeah, I was going to yeah. say. Yeah. Unless you're going through Seward County. I keep it to- keep it between the lines. Keep it at 75 if you're going through Seward yeah, County. Yeah, Mark is maybe a better person to ask. How much, is that, how much of a difference, how significant would that be to get well, those three lanes all the way? Uh, it, it's significant because it, it keeps your truck traffic in the right two lanes mm-hmm. and, oh. and, and really helps with that. The part that surprises me that they're only extending it to the Pleasantdale exit, that's not a huge... Uh, you know, I could have seen if they'd have gone to Seward, there's some manufacturing in Seward. The biggest help for, for us, at least Westbound, is going to be when they get it to York and hit uh, Highway 81. Because there's a lot of traffic that yeah. you know, comes down from Minneapolis, uh, Des Moines, and goes over to, to York and then south to 70 or on into Kansas. But Mark, you know this, they can put 
They can put three lanes. They can put 10 lanes. They can put 15 lanes. There's always going to be somebody in that furthest left lane going about 65 miles an hour. Well, yeah. And, <laughs> it won't matter. And, and, you know, and as far as I'm concerned, the people that do that should be subjected to the to capital punishment. Jeez. Oh. <laughs> All right. Seems proportional. Number two. This uh, this one I saw, Jack, and thought about, you've got kind of a connection to some of the people at Runza. Uh, Journal Star got quite an article over the weekend about the original Runza, 56th and Holdridge, where a car hop back in those days, Linda Dennis, is now the Runza Director of Operations. Yeah, and... All. And they're... Uh, the... the is the building's going to be torn down soon, and that was what they did. It's 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 actually the second. Right? I said I said first, but it is the original one was out there by Pioneers Park, I believe. This was the first like building um, that wasn't the the kind of the shack that they had out there. I and I did on my on the Jack Mitchell podcast. I interviewed Becky Parrott from Runza. She kind of went through the history of this. Good time to listen to it if you want to hear. But I didn't realize that that was the original like building. Runs. I thought it was one of the other ones. I don't know which one I really thought at that time, but I thought that was it. So, um, yeah, so some cool, cool nostalgia that they've got going on with that one, too. And uh, so they're going to, that building, they just, it feels like they, I don't know, I haven't, I, time probably flies and I don't realize it, but it feels like they updated that building not that too long ago. Uh, they actually did. But they're going to open it up uh, 2024. A new state-of-the-art runs a location. I don't know what that means yeah, exactly, yeah. What, but, what is but I'm very interested. Here's the biggest thing you got to build on that thing: long drive, long drive-through lanes for temperature Tuesdays. Yeah, that's the big thing you got to do. Give you give yourself a big old long wraparound drive. Just put it at the end of the airport. We have one of the longest airport runways in the state. Maybe just uh, put one there. I'd like to see one of those. You know, like in airports where you go back in the airport. country. Yeah. I'd, I'd like to see that for a, a drive-through sometime. Like wait, like you know where you, you drive east and then you make corner and drive west and then <laughs> like a windy one. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be all right. know, I want when I order chicken tenders off of there for those to be shaped in like dinosaurs. Chicken. First of all, who's ordering chicken tenders at Runza? Who's over eight years old? Um, I am to go with my cheeseburger. Horrid. Runza's got some of the best burgers. Yeah, I I wasn't critiquing a burger order. Yeah, well, I'm adding it on there like I would add on as a onion side rings. item. Yes. Still, you shouldn't be ordering chicken tenders if you're if you're over eight. Wow, that's my, that's number my two. Bad take. <laughs> oh, was that number two? Did I skip number? That, that was two. We're on one already. All right, sorry. Uh, hey, you take the numbers away from me. I'm trying to get the number. <laughs> I, listen, you shouldn't have taken take them away. away. It's take like, them away. It's not like riding a bike. It's a whole new learning process. <laughs> Oh, good. Another fast food one. Yeah. Uh, former President Trump uh, said he's not a frequent visitor to Derek Queen, but said everybody wants a blizzard. This was, uh, th- this was, where was this in Iowa? Council that this Bluffs, happened? I it was think. it in Council Bluffs? Yeah. So he was, this was when he was there, and they were, uh, there were a bunch of people asking for blizzards, and here was his response to what, up to a, a blizzard. Everybody wants a blizzard. What the hell is a blizzard? Everybody wants a blizzard. What the hell is a blizzard? <laughs> then he said, "Take care of the people." Okay. Um, was he buying? Yeah, I think yep. he was. He okay. was. He was probably buying. I, th- I assume that's what what he meant. But they don't really have. I mean, 
They don't really have Dairy Queens in New York City, I guess. That's a very Midwestern. It's a very Midwestern thing. But I bet he likes them. I wonder. Probably. I mean. By the way, Ben on the text line is right. You went to Italy and became a food snob. (laughs) (laughs) What? Because I said you should. No, I had that. I had the thought that chicken tenders shouldn't be ordered when there are better items on any menu. Unless you're a child. I still believe that. Dip them honey mustard. I was all, Delish. Uh, what's your blizzard flavor? What's your uh, what's your go-to? I mean, the Reese's peanut butter cups are really good, but I got the other day we just went and got blizzards. I got Oreo. Do they hand it to you upside down? They have to. Oh, stop. We get it. Stop it, Dairy Queen. The best don't though? nobody want no the the employees don't want that. We don't want that. Nobody wants that anymore. The best though are the if you get if you go inside to get it, because we went to the one that's got the, the swing, so we went inside and got them and then we sat down. And the employees that are just look like they're over it. And they just walk up because I ordered three of them. So they just flip it over real quick, set it down, they're like Hey, here's your Oreo. Hey, here's your uh, peanut butter. Do they do it hey. with every single one? Every single like, one. I think when you go through the drive-through, if you order multiple, they have to do it with the first one, but not subsequent ones. Every which single makes one. you wonder they could sneak thin ones in behind those. <laughs> this what's one's your, actually a your, malt. What's your go-to? Ooh, yeah. What's your go-to <laughs> Blizzard, Mark? I, I have very seldom uh, something I, with peanuts. Wait, right? You uh, were going to say you seldom get blizzards? Yeah, very seldom. You and Trump, huh? But you've been in Blizzard country oh, yeah. all your life. I've, I've had them. Uh, I'd say the, the Reese's uh, probably the closest. They they had, and I don't know whether they still do it. I don't remember if it was graham cracker pie or some kind of a pie, apple pie. <laughs> when they originally did it, they used to have some really out there flavors like Man. that. Yeah, they I, used I to. I tabbed you for more of like a like a raisin and peanut. <laughs> That's exactly what guy. I was going to say. Like Peanuts, yeah, raisins. <laughs> some, some sort of weird <laughs> Midwestern or Minnesotan situation or like something like that. Like going in there. No. Yeah, is that because you don't get them? Maybe. You don't get them because you have another order at Dairy Queen, or you just don't go there I'm, very much. I'm just not a just not a big uh, ice, ice cream? cream. What uh, lover? I mean, I like it. But what? Did you not get gelato when you were in Italy? Oh yeah. Oh okay. uh, no, not this trip. I missed. You didn't get any? No. Why would you have gelato when there's limoncello? <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I had both. I got you on that one. Why not both? Um, <laughs> Come on. Here. Reese, Reese's peanut butter cup, probably the, the best. One. Yeah. I think when they introduced cookie dough, introduced cookie dough, it kind of changed the game a little bit. Cookie dough. Is very it's good. hard for me. I feel a they little, don't have enough chunks of the cookie dough in it though. When I get any kind of one of those ice cream mix th- situations, I almost always want to go with cookie dough. I, I don't ever go with the old school ones. You know, you, you, I used to go with like Reese's Pieces, mm-hmm. M&M's, and st- Snickers. Used to go with all those things. Now it's just, now I've become just a cookie dough monster. It's almost a Sesame Street character. Yeah, no, it's different. There's almost. No, he's, he's very different. <laughs> it's, it's very That's his cousin yeah, in the Bronx. Yeah. All right, it's uh, 7.55. It's LNK Today with Jack and Friends. That's it for your morning drive. It's brought to you by Stonebridge Insurance and Wealth Management on KLIN. When you're you're listening to LNK Today with Jack and Friends on 1499.3 KLIN. All right, coming up, 8 o'clock hour. 
Tim Haruza joins us. I don't know what we're going to get into with Tim. We'll see. We'll see where the discussion goes. And uh, Mike Schaefer will join us as well as we're getting closer and closer. 54 days until Nebraska football takes on Minnesota. Getting closer. So we'll talk about that and more. It's 8 o'clock. KLIN Lincoln. Live from the Momo Pizzeria and Ristorante Studios at 44th and O, morning radio for the entire capital city. This is LNK Today with Jack and Friends on the Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. I start walking your way, you start walking mine. We meet in the middle, meet that old Georgia pine. We gain a lot of ground, cause we both give a little. Ain't no road too long, we meet in the middle. All right, we welcome back our summer friend Tim Aruza to... Talk about what's going on in the news and say hello. First time I've uh, had a chance to talk to Tim after I was gone for a while. Good morning, Mr. Hruza. How have you been? How's your summer going? It's going well. I I have not had the pleasure of being an international traveler like Ooh, yeah. yourself. Yeah, most but, people haven't. Yeah. It's pretty. Spe- it's a pretty big deal. Pretty cool. <laughs> you're now you're now a global force, Jack Mitchell. <laughs> Holy cow! And two thirds of the KLIN Morning Show have gone to Italy. And uh, I'm very, I'm very disappointed that you didn't do at least one live show. So <laughs> I did. <laughs> it, well, you it, called in. I, I I called in from the Italy airport. That's right, yeah. from the Ro- the Italy airport. What am I? The, the, the Italy airport. <laughs> they only have. They got one. The Rome the Rome airport. <laughs> and I I did a uh, I recorded a commercial in a uh, hotel by Chicago O'Hare too. If that means anything to you. <laughs> But no, uh, that is that is working off the clock. Man, that's right. That's right. Thank you. Thank you for <laughs> noticing God. that. I really do appreciate you noticing that. Um, all right. There's been a, a little bit of I'm I'm kind of catching up on things in um, in terms of news in the world of Nebraska politics. It's it seems like there's not been a lot, but some of the stuff I've heard has been focused around this. I never know what to, to, is it a is it an initiative. Is it a ballot initiative or is it a ballot or a referendum? I never know what the right name is. I don't really know what the right word is, but I think it's a referendum, right? You're, you're doing a, running a referendum on the action of the legislature. Okay, so. because they messed it up at the beginning, putting the wrong one on their on their uh, on the petition, and they had to get them reprinted. Um, but nonetheless, so I've heard some some things about. Um, I haven't ever run into any of these people, and again, I haven't been here for a couple of weeks, any of the people who are gathering signatures, but I've heard there are some interesting efforts going around that entire sort of process from both sides. I don't know if you've seen it, but have you heard anything about this? Um, I, I think I actually saw the petition circulators for the first time uh, this this weekend. At a farmer's went market? Up to, went up to a Wayne America, right? <laughs> oh, uh, Wayne. In a Wayne, Nebraska. Chicken days is this weekend. Um, <laughs> I always do it the the weekend after the Fourth of July up there. Big uh, community celebration, but yeah, uh, petition circulators um, out at the park, and then the I get I don't know blockers. I don't know what you call them. The the pledge takers um, that are opposing the petition circulators were there as well. So that's kind of the first Wait, time I've seen it. But yeah, pledge you, takers. It, yeah, so it's like. So you, you're signing the petition to repeal the action of yes. the legislature, right? Or right. That would I guess, get rid of the tax breaks. 
Yes. That, that, it would that, block it, and then right. it would put it to the voters. It would say, look, the legislature wants this done. We don't think that enough voters do. Put it on the ballot, and then it'll stop it. Or I guess it could stop it. It might not stop it, depending on the signature threshold or whatever. And then it goes to the ballot, you know, next election cycle. The the decline to sign people, or I can't remember what the group's name is now off the top of my head, but they also have like a basically a pledge type thing or a document that you sign that takes the pledge to not sign the petition. Um, and there's, you know, people out there really? that are, you're kind of walking up to folks and they're asking people to sign the pledge that says you won't sign the repeal. And then the others have like <laughs> the petition that's like the formal petition that says you do it. So one's like an official one, the other's sort of unofficial. But I think the idea psychologically is we're getting people to commit to one side or the other um, <clears throat> before, you know, before they get a chance to sign the petition or before they get a chance to sign the pledge. Um, it's very, it's a very interesting strategy. And I don't, I don't know. I just, I don't have a recollection of how they did this when the death penalty thing came around. So I don't know if it was the same sort of approach. I don't recall that. Anti-death penalty. I don't remember like that. Getting people to sign to block the signatures or, or what? So um, it was very interesting to see. Um, huh. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I don't recall. I don't. Maybe it has happened, and I just forgot it or didn't notice it. But I don't. I don't remember that strategy. Man, is that worth it? Like that's my first thought. Is that worth the? I assume it's volunteers that are going into, or maybe they're getting paid. I don't know. But I like, I wonder if it's worth the effort. Yeah, I have a feeling that uh, just based on my my interaction with the folks that were there, I'm feeling that the two that had the pledge might have been paid. And I have a feeling that, the well, I know that some of the people, at least some of the people at the table that were taking petitioners were teachers from the local schools, right? Right. Um, either retired teachers or teachers on break that were out there at the table with the petitions, um, the actual formal petitions. I think the two folks that were that were running the the pledge or whatever. Um, I mean, I don't know. You don't know. You don't. It's hard to tell. And like, how um, close are these groups? Like, how close are these groups to each other when they're doing this? Do you know? Not far away. No. Um, I mean, kind of right out in front, at least in this instance, or where they were out of the fair or whatever. It's like a little. It's in a park. It's like I don't know if you ever been up to Chicken Days. It, it sounds great. No, I haven't. <laughs> it sounds delightful though. Um, but I think what's what's hard is, and what's what's kind of smart about it too, like from a, just thinking about how to do this is, if you really want to try to block them, it's a pretty low threshold. It's sixty thousand signatures or sixty one thousand or something that they actually need to put it on the ballot. Um, if you want to block them, I getting people to sign something, even a pledge that's informal, is actually a pretty smart way to do it, right? Like if you go and you sign a pledge saying I won't sign the other thing, pretty hard. I mean, it's pretty easy to say, no, I already signed the other one, right? But if somebody just comes up to you and says, I don't want you to sign that, and you say, why not? And then you go hear about the other thing, right? It's a totally different deal when you're signing something or when you have competing signature things. Like The real question is, and this may be the death penalty discussion too, right, is do you just kind of let them try to get their signatures and try to beat it at the ballot box? Or do you pump a bunch of money into trying to stop them from getting the signatures in the first place? And the strategy in this instance is to try to stop them from getting the signatures. But 61,000 signatures, you know, at every county fair and every community event and all that stuff, you got to figure that they'll get that threshold. But who knows? And and I think the numbers that were released maybe last week, they're spending real money on this. Like, it's 
between the two groups already, it's you know one point six million or something. It's not. It's not nothing. So. Tim, I don't buy that people are that this is going to keep people from signing it. They are if they weren't if they're not going to sign it because of the pledge, they weren't going to sign it anyway. Like that's my thought on this. Like, can you imagine? Is there a situation where somebody signs a pledge, says I'm not gonna not gonna sign the referendum, and then they read up on it and they're like, well, actually, I do think the referendum should be signed, but I signed that <laughs> pledge, you know. Here's so it. I made a promise, and my word is my bond. So sorry, I think it should happen, but I'm not gonna sign. I think that you add a little bit there that's probably not there for most people, which is, and then they read up about it, Jack. (laughs) (laughs) I know, but like this is I know we don't. This is a game of this is a game of not the most informed voters, right? You're you're walking around at your local county fair in a couple of weeks, right? Those (laughs) things will start here at the end of July, August, whenever all that you know county fairs happen. You're out there to see the the livestock and the 4-H exhibits and go to the free barbecue and the. The right. rodeo. You're not get these people away from me. The get these. That's what I'm ramifications of public schools versus private schools versus how they're funded. And like nobody, nobody's like armed for that discussion. Right. When they're walking through the. I'm ready for some freaking chicken. Here. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I, I mean, I think you're right that I think if people take like, yeah, if you know exactly what's going on and you're fully informed, you probably don't. You probably don't care whether you sign the pledge, and then if you change your mind about where you're at, I just I think this is about trying to catch people and give them the the thirty second talking point, the message on what the issue is, and get them to commit one way or the other. Um, you, you know what? The ne- I don't know. I fifty one thousand signatures is pretty doable. So I have a feeling we're going to be voting on this, and I have a feeling that we're going to hear and see lots of TV and radio ads. Um, leading up to an election on this issue. You know what the next thing for the, you know, the teachers groups to do, the the people who are supporting the referendum, a pledge to pledge not to sign the pledge. <laughs> we too can play at this game. But <laughs> there's a there's a pledge out here that you're going to be asked to sign, we we like you to pledge not to sign the pledge. And then <laughs> checkmate basically. Boom. Done. <laughs> I don't know. The, I don't. I don't. We'll see. I. I guess. I. I guess if this thing doesn't pass, maybe it worked. But I am very skeptical of this strategy. This is, I'm. Just, I'm not saying anything about the policy. Just the pledge strategy here on this thing. I don't know. I don't know. It's Why, hard well, to get. It's hard to get people to not sign the petition, right? I mean, and it, well, it's not hard. I like. It's just when when you're when someone walks up to you and tell it gives you a pitch on what something is, and then if it's an official petition, gives you the official reading. Like a lot of people see that as a no harm, no foul thing. I'll sign it. I don't care. Let's take it to a vote. Um, whatever. At least at least you have some sort of competing voice out there when they're doing this. Again, I don't know whether it'll stop them from getting sixty thousand signatures or whatever it needs. Um, I think it's sixty one. I know they have a goal of more than that. Like they're going to try to get as much cushion as possible. But the, you got it. You're, you're making the decision to try something before it gets on the ballot. It's easy for me not. Otherwise, to... it just goes to the ballot, and we're we're fighting. We're competing radio ads, right? right. Or we're competing right. TV ads, which or... is where I thought it would be battled out. Yeah, which is is kind of what I expected, and it probably still will be. Um, it's easy for me, by the way, not to sign petitions. Like, <laughs> I don't want any. But oh, I, don't, I... I don't like being bothered. <laughs> and, I don't generally. For the record, I don't generally sign any petitions. So, like, I just. No, I, nope. 
thank that you. was like it was like I was in Italy. If anybody ever comes up to you and is like asking you or like d- anything, like I just assume it's a scam, and I'm just like sort of like very brief and a little bit mean. I'm just like no, 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 thank you, and then turn or act like I don't hear them or something like that. <laughs> Those are good tools to use in your arsenal. Pull your phone out and act like you're talking on their phone. That's a good one too. All good. All good Nobody, things. Nobody talks on their phone. You got to put your head down and act like you're sending an important. No, text. no. I got to be like that person in the grocery store who has is FaceTiming someone while they walk through the grocery store. What is the deal? <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know what kind of milk my wife wants me oh, to buy God. for our toddler. I need her to visually see what is there. Okay, that's not what these people are doing. That's a 30-second call and holding it up. Yep. This is walking through the canned vegetable aisle for five <laughs> minutes or having a conversation with another person on FaceTime loud enough for everyone to hear why you need to see each other. Do you remember we used to just be anno- we used to be annoyed at people who used to wear those earpieces? Remember? That was sort of a, a sign of being kind of a a D yeah, bag, yeah, what we would say, a D bag, yeah. like wearing those things. I miss those things now. I miss the day of people talking on those instead of FaceTiming <laughs> in the middle of the canned vegetables aisle. Anyway, I digress. I digress. Uh, I don't know what other is there. Is there any other? It, it does feel like that referendum is kind of dominating a lot of the sort of the headlines with anything that has to do with politics right now. Anything else significant uh, kind of going on or that you've seen over the course of the last couple of weeks that I should be up to date on and our listeners should be up to date on too? Uh, I mean, I suppose the only other issue, Jack, that sort of continues to make headlines that's super interesting to me. What do you know about the defamation laws for public figures? I know that there is a high. I mean, you, you yourself being a public figure, I mean, have yes. you the same fee lately? And being a lawyer, uh, I know that there is a higher standard for public figures. I can tell you um, that. I learned that this, in law school. This, this actually, like this now lawsuit that has been filed and is ongoing, I think is. I think it's interesting for a couple of reasons. So, this is the uh, defamation lawsuit that was filed by State Senator Megan Hunt. Um, against the Nebraska Freedom Coalition and a couple of its members that are active for tweets that the Nebraska Freedom Coalition put out accusing uh, Senator Hunt of being a groomer. Um, There's a legal definition of grooming in Nebraska statute that uh, is a, you know, a criminal, it's a criminal act. Um, When you, when you groom someone, you can, you face penalties, criminal penalties. So, um, Senator Megan Hunt filed a lawsuit against them, arguing that she's been defamed for being knowingly and falsely accused of committing a crime. Um, and I, it's it's sort of an interesting hook, right? In all of this, we've, we've sort of seen talk about this over the last couple of years, and um, she is being supported by I think it's the Nebraska Legal Defense Fund or something like that. Um, former state Senator Adam Morfeld, the founder, um, they've, they've sort of been in and out of the news for helping combat these sorts of allegations. There was a teacher out in central city that they assisted, uh, sort of made the threat that they file a lawsuit. And then that person retracted their comments and apologized. And then they kind of dropped it all. This one's actually been filed. There's now been a response filed, um, a motion to dismiss. It's it's really interesting to me, Jack, because I don't know defamation law very well. I know there's different standards for public figures versus private figures and like what you can and can't say and how knowingly you say it and all that stuff. I remember reading about those things or like learning the basics in tort law. Yeah. Um, 
But, like, how it all plays out now is very intriguing and interesting, too, because even this, like, argument that grooming is defined by state law and therefore you're accusing them of a crime now, not just throwing around this word that we hear all the time now, like... And people probably don't even realize, people don't probably don't even realize, I didn't, that there was a statute that makes that a criminal, where that's defined as a criminal offense. I didn't know yeah, that until you told me two or three years ago, and that was not a word that was in our vernacular yeah. very often, except for, except for maybe in the, the realm of this crime, this like legit crime. And now it gets kind of tossed about pretty willy-nilly. And I think, I don't know whether the claim is, whether Senator Hunt's allegations and the Legal Defense Fund's allegations are how, how valid they are or founded they are by saying, look, there's this criminal statute. So when you call somebody that now, just because it's defined in law, you're, you yeah. know, you're accusing them knowingly of committing a crime yeah. or like whether that's the intent of like, there's going to be some converse, like this could set some precedent about those sorts of things, because as you know, it's a higher standard for a that public official. And so is the word groomer different than, you know, calling them, Something else, or like, you know. Yeah, I know. It's sort of like if you said someone someone assaulted someone, but you didn't necessarily mean the legal definition of it, right? Right. That's not a great example, but I I think that's what you're getting at. So, exactly. So, does that does that word? Do you have to use that word with the intent of meaning the crime? Do you? You know, or does all of this just go away because at the end of the day, you know, there's a really high standard for, for public, public figures figure. and you can say yeah. whatever you want about a state yeah. senator. Um, I don't know. I it's just we're now we've now got a situation where we've got lawyers on both sides um that are gonna argue this and may or may not set a precedent. Yeah. Well the law the lawners have uh, something to watch. All right. Hey, great to talk to you, Tim. Thanks for updating me. Um we'll have a good week and we'll talk to you next week, all right? See you, Jack. Take care. There you go. Tim Rizzo, sour friend. It's eight twenty six K L I N. Wherever you go, stay connected to the world around you. I get all the breaking news notifications, sports and traffic straight to my phone on the app. 1499.3 KLIN. You're listening to LNK Today with Jack and Friends on 1499.3 KLIN. All right, 836, 67 degrees in the capital city. Time to talk to uh, Husker 24-7's Mike Schaefer as we are 54 days away from Nebraska football kicking off. But the last few days, the news in the college football world, especially the Big Ten world, has been what's happened at Northwestern and what may be to come at Northwestern. And uh, I wanted to get some some thoughts, have some discussion with Mike Schaefer on that. First of all, good morning, Mike. How are you doing today? I am. Uh, I'm doing well. I'm doing a lot better than the administrators of Northwest. Holy cow! Yeah, I don't even know where to start. I guess it, I'm. I'm. I'm just curious. Your your jet as you've watched this play out this weekend, going from um, at the end of last week, the suspension with not a ton of information, then the article in the Northwestern Student Newspaper with the sources who gave the details, um, then the president's statement late Saturday night saying I basically I basically erred in making the punishment and then the additional reporting that went on on Sunday what's your what's your sort of large view of this this whole thing as it's been going on yeah I mean it doesn't look great for for Pat Fitzgerald I mean obviously um, the details that came out of of the incident certainly don't paint things in a positive light than the idea that that not only would Fitzgerald know about it but that he was you know, as as intimated in the story, as he was involved in selecting the people that were being hate. So it's, you know, 
that alone is is going to result in a in a big issue if if there's any proof of that if that can be if that can be proven because then it, I mean yeah. then I I don't know how we're even talking about Pat Fitzgerald coming back as right. Northwestern's head coach and then throw in the fact that they haven't been very good lately this allows all parties to just sort of move on they could get out of a buyout if they need to which I have to assume would be relatively hefty um you know for for what they're invested in with with Fitzgerald so there's there's like a lot of ramifications in that regard too but I guess there's also just this like it's 2023 and there's still major football programs involving in a hazing scandal like seems kind of sad to me in a way like we should be beyond this now I mean it, it just this doesn't serve anybody any good. I don't believe it does any team building camaraderie. It's just straight up bullying and it sucks. Like that's, that's the honest view that I have. Well, it's not even like, uh, shaving their head or like making them sing or something or like that. Like it was weird. Like it was, it was bizarre. And I know, you know, you go back and read cases about fraternity hazing and probably other football. Maybe there is some stuff like this, but it was just, it was it, it was just bizarre the the stuff that they were doing. To read. Like, yeah, it, it was just I don't know. I I was not in a frat. Like I have never really dealt with any hazing like that. I also know my personality, and I don't feel like I would handle it particularly well, which would likely only uh, make things worse for me, I suppose. Yeah. But I just I, I don't know who does this and thinks that there's some sort of inherent value. Other than just being a jerk in the moment to somebody. Yeah. Like, again, making someone sing their fights, whatever, light, hazing probably isn't the word, but just traditions going through. There's there's some fun to it. Whatever this thing with the purge masks um, that they talked about. Running them? Yeah, running them. That, yeah, I mean, it doesn't even, oh, it's just, it's it's bizarre. But, But nonetheless, but let's get back to the, I agree f- with what you said. If it is proven that Pat Fitzgerald knew about this and and A, didn't do anything, and then B, said to the investigators that he didn't know about it, I think it's a, a cl- you know open and shut for the most part on, on what will probably happen and what should probably happen. The question is yeah. you're, you're probably not going to get to that, though. You're you're to prove that someone did or didn't know something without them admitting it is going to be a lot of circumstantial evidence. And you know, it's going to be a lot of players saying the opposite thing. On well, the, on it'll, just, it'll, it'll come down to how much Pat Fitzgerald wants to fight it. If the university just wants to remove them, because then if they have to sort of open up any actual investigation, like, I don't know, I don't know what the school's already determined on their own either. So that's, that's part of it. I, I just, some of it comes down to like how much PR do they want to do? Cause they're going to be in damage control mode here. And so even if you're Pat Fitzgerald and you're able to survive, um, your team's in a terrible spot as you go into what has got to be a pivotal season for him over there coming off of multiple losing seasons, a one win season a year ago. Uh, it's, yeah, that's a really messy situation. Like I, I underestimated, when I first heard about it, I underestimated what it was going to be. And certainly how I feel about it now is, is completely different than, you know, Friday when I first heard about the, the allegations of it. Is there, 
does a does a punishment exist? Let's say hypothetically that you know they still continue to just be unclear that Pat Fitzgerald knew about this at some point, which is kind of what the report concluded. Basically, the report was really mealy mouthed about that. The stuff they released, at least, it was really hard to tell. Like it kind of said, well, he didn't know, or we weren't sure, but he could have known and maybe should have known. It was it, the the parts that w- from the executive summary that were released said something like that. But let's say hypothetically that they still feel that way after you know after reviewing that and whatever else they're going to do on this thing. Is there is there another level of punishment before firing him that even seems possible here? I mean, I guess you could suspend him for like half the season or something. I I don't know. I mean, yeah. what was it? Urban Meyer was suspended for for four games. That's right. That's right. Um, by Ohio State. So. We've seen something along those lines. I don't know. To me, I guess it, it's more so if Northwestern's doing that. I don't. I don't know why they wouldn't just move on entirely. I, I sort of view this for the people over there to basically make the decision: Has Pat Fitzgerald at Northwestern run its course? Because I just don't know. I mean, one, I don't see where they're going to have a good season this year with all of this going on, kind of in the background of everything. And two, it's not a given to me that he would even be back next year if they were to go four and eight. And so right. I guess there's there's kind of this question that looms over it now that it's blown up. Is it just speeding up the inevitable, essentially? Yeah, just, do both sides just move on? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. Your Pat Fitzgerald is probably going to be really hard to, to, to stomach that thought, too. So this, this whole thing is probably pretty far from being done. And then there's the whole, you know, I mean – the whole sort of Joe Paterno and Penn State of it all, and not in terms of the allegations, but in terms of the relationship between oh, yeah. the coach mm-hmm. and the community and the coach and the university. And I don't know that it's that probably isn't a totally apples to apples comparison, but it's probably. I mean, they're, it's probably as close as some schools and, the, and communities' and relationships with their coach will get. I mean, I can't think of too many others that are probably like that. And what I'm referring to, if I'm not being clear, is just the closeness the importance yeah. in the community of pat fitzgerald in that place and in that school well um, essentially i mean for the most part as people know northwestern football right now they know it as pat fitzgerald yeah people knew people knew penn state football as joe paterno yeah. so I, I, yeah. I i definitely understand what you mean yeah and those things are going to remain linked and then you do sort of have this that, that clouds over it even if even if they decide not to move on from them they have an out of nowhere okay season this is still going to kind of like I would think sit on top of his reputation for a while. Uh, yeah. But I, I mean, I could just be over exaggerating it too, but it, it doesn't seem like something that, um, you know, it's just going to get blown over. But I would have thought the same thing over at Iowa and they managed to, yeah. to move on from that pretty quickly. And everyone just sort of forgot that it happened except their state auditor. Yeah. That's yeah. It's, can you imagine being the president of Northwestern University and at 11 p.m. on Saturday night putting out a statement saying, oh, a few days ago, I had this whole report and I made a mistake, essentially. It, like, that's, that's just bizarre in itself, right? To even, yeah. like, well, how does I mean, the president of Northwestern make that mistake exactly? I, <laughs> I don't know. You're, I mean, that's. That gets into a very real question of what was their initial goal of this whole thing. Uh, yeah. Probably to, 
probably to just get it to go through as quickly as possible with yes. nobody looking at it. That's yeah, that's the mistake is you got caught on that, right? He, I mean, this isn't sort of a lapse of judgment. Oh, after I studied this and made my decision, it turns out it was a little more serious than I realized. No way, right? Yeah, no. no. This was like a we thought that we could get our hand out of the out of the honey jar and instead someone grabbed it. You know, and like we're, it's just a Yeah. And we're a private yeah. university, so nobody's going to FOIA the the documents, right? Like, if th- this is a different deal if it's a University of Illinois. Uh, Absolutely. Well, and it's also a different deal in the sense that, like, if we're entirely honest, Pat Fitzgerald is about the only thing anyone cares about with that Northwestern program. So, I mean, if it was a different sport over there, there's probably not even a conversation about it because it's it's Northwestern. Like, they're they're largely ignored outside of this football program. Do you think uh, th- this made me wonder, and I, I don't know how good of a sense you have of this, but it would, I'm sure it's better than me. And I think I'd know what you think based on what you said earlier in the interview. But do you think hazing like this is still fairly common in, in college football? Uh, I mean, I definitely think that there's like stuff that goes on, like freshmen have to like get equipment or get bags or whatever. Um, you know, and that happens in the NFL and with major league sports and, and all of that. But, I mean, to the, to this level, I guess I sort of thought some of that would have passed by now. But I, again, like I can't, I can't act like I'm inside the right. walls over there. I don't know everything that's going on. And obviously, a lot of it is like if it's taking place in the locker room on campus, like that's also just bad for the university too. Like if I guess there's some level of deniability if this stuff happens away from campus, but it's happening in your locker room, it's happening in your meeting rooms, it's you know, like all of those sorts of things only seems to, to make it worse. But I I mean I honestly wouldn't have thought this would still be, you know, a thing happening, but mm. that's just probably oversight on my part. Caleb made a good point. Michael Wilbon goes on TV at four thirty. Four thirty is it today? Yeah, four thirty. Be interesting to see what he has to say. A Northwestern yeah. grad who um, as many, including you, have pointed out, was incredibly critical of Nebraska, as s- several national media members were in kind of hyper- hyperbolic terms about, you know, maybe should be kicked out of the conference, embarrassment, those sorts of things. I don't know what he's going to say. It'll be interesting. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll see. It's, uh, you know, it's always different when it's your school that you, you root for and that you're a donor for and yeah. all of that. So we'll We'll see how strong he comes out against the latest scandal the Big Ten gets to feature. One more, one more uh, question on this: If he does, if, if he does get leave or get fired or it's mutual or whatever, I assume the only thing they're doing is promoting a coordinator, right? Like, what is how how do you think that works exactly? Yeah, I mean, and the thing is, his staff has taken some hits over the recent years, so I think they've you know, I think they're sort of in this spot where. Um, you know, there's probably not like a ready-made guy to be your interim head coach right there, which would lead, you know, John. it would lead Michael Bruns to start making John L. Smith jokes, yeah. uh, which I'm sure he's already tried to work into something over there on Twitter. But, yeah. uh, you know, so I, I would be fascinated by that, too. I mean, the closest comparison to this is like when Tim Beckman randomly got fired uh, with everything going on in Illinois and like Bill Cubitt ended up taking over. Yeah, like I don't know what they'll do. I, I, I mean, I get the only thing you really do is, I think at this point, because camp starts in like less than a month, right? Yeah, maybe three weeks. Yeah. The the big event of the summer, everyone's favorite, Big Ten Media Days, is in like three weeks. 
Yeah. Oh, my gosh. You have Pat if, Fitzgerald get up and talk to everybody at Big Ten media Oh, days? my gosh. You know, oh, like, I mean. Think about I that. Know, oh. I don't know that people are fully aware of, like, kind of how chummy their media relationship has been with, with Fitzgerald, especially the Chicago media. So, like, you know, Teddy Greenstein isn't there anymore. Um, it's going to be really interesting if he's, if he's getting up in Chicago, or, well, it's in, in Indy now. Uh, if he's getting up in Indy, that'll be that'll be a press conference you'll be watching. I'm sure of it. God, this pro, I mean, man, uh, I know Bill O'Brien came in and did some things. That's a different situation with scholarships and, and the like. But just given what Northwestern is and the challenges there, this is going to decimate them. Oh, nobody I mean, wants that job des- either. It is going to be decimate. They are going to be, it's going to be an absolute crap show there football-wise for a long time. Well, hey, they're building a new stadium. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. Good timing. I mean, because you're exactly right. The reason, I mean, the the reason you're playing football there is Pat Fitzgerald, right? And I know that's kind of the case of any place you go in recruiting, but I think even more so with Northwestern. Uh, Yeah, I mean, he's he's the architect of the whole thing, and he does have some some success of it, too. So it's a, that would not be an opening that I think, um, would be a clamored for job. There's just so many difficulties there. You would get great facilities and obviously all of that, but I mean, it, the reason Pat Fitzgerald is there is he played football there, and even he's kind of had one foot out the door if you listen to some rumors. So yeah. that's kind of a, you know, this is a, a huge, huge deal um, for Northwestern and really for the Big Ten, too. I mean, it's not insignificant there either. Um, I, I want I want to ask you. I was obviously gone for a couple of weeks. There was it's kind of been a flurry of of commitments. Um, and it you know it struck it was interesting. You had some guys who are not as well known or or kind of like camp signings, and then you had the guys from Bellevue West and those sorts of things. It seems like there's a lot of a lot of signings at an early time here. Um, and and I don't follow the process real closely, but is that the case? And what does that mean mean for you about the way rules doing is recruiting? Yeah, there's there's definitely a lot of more commitments at this time right now than what we normally see. And so, I mean, they're they're in the 20s. A lot of times they're in the mid-teens or low-teens. Uh, at this point in July, I mean, neither Frost nor Riley uh, nor Pellini. I mean, no one I covered had gotten to 20 in the summer before. So um, that's remarkable. And it speaks to really kind of what, you know, Matt Rule wants to do, which is try to get guys in the class early and then he can work to the next class and, you're always able to sort of work ahead and then you stay flexible if there's anybody that pops up with good camp or a good senior film. And, and then you, you go ahead and make that offer too. I mean, the, the other remarkable thing is just the sheer numbers. I mean, they're going to probably take another 30 players in this class at what nearly 41 newcomers. If you count the two wide receivers that came back uh, in the last class, so they're just completely flipping over this roster and how you do that inside an 85 man scholarship limit is, is remarkable. Yeah. How big um, with, is, can you make too much of the, the kind of the Bellevue West got the two receivers from Bellevue West committed in addition? You got Dan, Daniel Kalen, the quarterback that brought up a lot of discussions about recruiting in state. Was this did you see this as some sort of like significant moment in, in changing that or 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 not? I definitely think that it's a big moment just to, to prove that it can happen. I mean, you had so many people that were convinced that. Uh, you know, Nebraska was going to get any of those guys to start the month of May, and then they end up with with all three from Bellevue West. And mm-hmm. so, 
And then as you, you sort of look at it, the guys in the state that they haven't got, the, the Caleb Piperums, the Michael Burtz, and, and um, Teddy Rezac, I mean, they've, they've definitely had some guys that are going elsewhere. But it's also not for a lack of knowing who they were or having an opportunity mm-hmm. to get them on campus. And, you know, you get a feeling that Nebraska probably made some decisions in there. Like, they're, they're as comfortable as they are taking players in state, they're also comfortable saying, you know what, like, it's just not going to work for us here. So we wish you the best. Go find your best opportunity. Yeah. And I think they're okay with that, too. I think that's healthy as well. Like, you don't want to get to the point where every time a kid has a Nebraska offer, it's an expectation that he ends up in Nebraska. They both have to continue to earn that right. Mm-hmm. And then the, the school has to earn the right to actually get those kids to want to go there. Were you like me last night when you saw or whenever you heard that uh, Matthews and Anderson were drafted in the Major League Baseball draft? You're like, oh, cool, nice. And then you looked at what teams got them, and you're like, oh. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I wasn't. Uh, I, I, I wish that Bryce Matthews went anywhere else. But, you know, I mean, it was such a, a cool thing. Yeah. And- and for so him, it's cool, too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, especially for him. I mean, yeah. being able to go back to Houston. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's, it was such a fun season offensively, and those guys were just assaulting the record books. And I'm not, I'm not really shocked that they went as high as they did. I mean, I think they're very good hitters, uh, and they, they've kind of proven that. I do wish that, you know, in the case of Max Anderson, I, I hope he has a great career, but hopefully Detroit trades him. And does something yeah, dumb, you know? Right. Just let's 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 get him out of the air. God, the Tigers. He can, go, he can go play in the NL West, you know. Like let's let's do that. I and know. Yeah, wants to, to send him to the Rockies or the Marlins or something. I can go. I can. Yeah. I can get with or the Reds, right? I can get with that. Not but. the Reds. Yeah. Cardinals. Not the Reds. Oh, okay. <laughs> I I like the idea of uh, of you know Bryce Matthews or Max Anderson just launching bombs in Coors. Yeah. And Nebraska night having more significance over there. <laughs> yep. I can also think of another another team that's even closer than them, but I don't think you probably want yeah, them on nobody, that one. Either. Nobody wants them there. Then no. you got to watch. Bryce nobody wants talk about them. Nobody wants to even be any nobody even wants to wear their hat right now at least speaking for myself they gotta win on sunday yeah that's great that's great it was very exciting still at the 26 still looking for their first three game winning streak of the year well you know good things come to those who wait hey uh great conversation today mike uh on all this appreciate your insight and we will talk to you again next week all right all right sounds good appreciate it mike shaver oscar 24 7 Yes. I uh, just got this note from the KLIN newsroom. LFR is responding to a condominium complex fire, 4,000 South 56th. Seconds from development in central Nebraska. Some of these will move into southeast Nebraska on a scattered basis as the evening wears on, so we can't rule those out late tonight. For the Channel 8 Storm Alert team, I'm meteorologist Malcolm Byron. You're listening to LNK Today with Jack and Friends on 1499.3 KLIN. All right, that is it for the show. Tomorrow... First time talking with Joe Jordan since I've been gone. He'll join us. Also scheduled to talk with John Baylor as well. And we'll see what else shakes out. And you know what, Caleb? We're both here again. We got to decide. It's going to be our uh, final request line Friday together for a little while because you're going on your own yeah. trips. I don't, uh, I don't get to just unilaterally decide what we're doing. Yeah, now. I don't know. We'll have to decide. We'll announce tomorrow whether we're yeah. going. Maybe it's time to go general or if somebody's got a another topic another genre that they'd like to hear go ahead and suggest it on the text line if you'd like to do that 402-479-1400 we'll put our heads together and figure that out and let you know tomorrow so you can make your requests 
Don't forget, Dan Parsons' show tonight, 5 o'clock. Tune in. Find out what Dan's talking about and what's happening 